Stone and Tile Show is proud to be sponsored by the National Tile Contractors Association. The NTCA is a leading trade association in the tile and stone industry dedicated to professional installation of ceramic tile and natural stone. With more than 1,500 members representing thousands of installers, NTCA works hard to be a strong voice for proper installation and qualified labor. The association invests in a professional staff to provide technical support and assistance and offers free educational seminars and regional training opportunities around the country. To learn more about what the NTCA can offer for you or your business, go to the website www.tile-assn.com. That's www.tile-assn.com. Good evening, folks, and welcome to the Stone and Tile Show. I am your host, Fred Houston, and it's as hard to believe that we are up to show number 120, and I have all those shows uh, archived on the podcast. So if you haven't listened to the podcast or you're listening to this podcast, just simply go to that website and uh, and you can search all those topics that I covered. And it's hard to believe I've covered that many topics and a lot more to cover yet, which which brings me to something interesting that happened to me this week. And I, I want to discuss that. Uh, but before I do, a couple of quick announcements. Uh, first of all, I want to mention that I have my stone and tile troubleshooting and inspection seminar coming up in Florida beginning July 5th. It's a four-day class. So if anyone's interested in that, I have a very limited number of students that I'm accepting in that class. So uh, uh, you, you guys know I only do this class once or twice a year. Uh, I do it in Vegas and I do it here in Florida. So if you want to drop me an email, the email address is fhouston, that's F-H-U-E-S-T-O-N at gmail.com. Uh, you can also check out the website stoneforensics.com and just simply tap on the training tab and uh, it'll give you all the information you need or go ahead and contact me. I'll be more than happy uh, to talk with you and give you more information on, on that class, but all the information is, is primarily there. If you want to call in today with a, with a question, a comment, or just want to say hi, the call-in number is 323-870-3968. That's 323- Eight seven zero three nine six eight. All right, let me get today. Today's topic is um, well. Well, before I get to today's topic, I, what I want to talk about today is I want to talk about water. I want to talk about how it affects stone installations. But before I do, something interesting came up today. I had a a call from a customer sent me some photographs, and it had a granite countertop with an overhang. And this overhang was just under 10 inches. It was a three centimeter uh, countertop. And if you read the uh, National, Natural Stone Institute, you know, formerly the MIA's uh, design manual, it says that a, you know, three centimeter countertop can overhang up to 10 inches without additional support, unless that overhang is greater than a third of the overall width of the countertop. And what had happened with this countertop being under 10 inches, uh, the overhang being under 10 inches and the uh, uh, meeting all the requirements, it, it broke. Uh, someone leaned on it and, it and it snapped. Well, I, I did some digging and I read real carefully the statement that the uh, Natural Stone Institute has. And there's a little paragraph. Well, actually, it's not a paragraph. It's at the end of that paragraph in that particular section under countertop installations that says that some stones are very fragile and may require support under that 10-inch requirement. 
And that's exactly what happened here. And actually, the uh, customer sent me a photograph of where the crack was, and you could see iron in the crack. And I think I may have talked about this on the show before, but what can happen a lot of times with some of this granite that contains iron in it is if the iron begins to oxidize, in other words, it begins to rust, you get a condition known as iron jacking. And what happens is the iron mineral starts to expand, and when it expands, it causes stress in the in the granite, and it makes it very, very weak, and it can crack. Now, a dead giveaway to that is if you you have a granite countertop and it has a fiberglass mesh on the back or any type of a you know fiberglass or resin backing on it, what does that tell you? That tells you that this granite is probably very fragile. Uh, so I would say that if uh, you're you fabricators out there, you're installing countertops and you're you're meeting that 10 inch requirement by the MIA without without supports. But if you're dealing with a granite that's very very fragile, uh, you may go ahead and uh, recommend putting supports on there or you know put supports on there um, yourself. So otherwise you get into a situation like. You just ran into here, and I'm sure the fabricator is not going to be very happy with me once I, I wrote that report today. So anyway, if you have a comment on that, feel free to call in, 323-870-3968. And if you're listening to this on the podcast after it has aired live, just you know, simply send me an email and let me know what your comments are there. And I'd really be interested to know how you handle that, that situation. Uh, the email, again, is f-h-u-e-s-t-o-n at gmail.com. All right, today's topic, and we don't have to stay on this topic because someone has a, an additional question uh, concerning something else, but it was, it's kind of interesting. I, I, got a, uh, I work with a lot of insurance companies doing inspections, and this one particular insurance company has given me quite a bit of work over the years. And I had a house that had, had flooded, uh, and I'll get into the details in a minute, but I want to I kind of give you the overall real quickly what the question was from this uh, insurance adjuster. And the house had flooded. I believe a, a, a water heater busted and water went all over the floor, this, this particular uh, stone flooring. And I went in, I did my inspection, and my report basically said that the floor was ruined and this stone had to be replaced. Okay, we'll get into that in a second. So months later, I get another claim. Same insurance guy, same, same insurance company, obviously. And uh, I go in and I do the inspection. The same thing happened. Uh, Water heater broke, uh, flooded the, the stone floor. And I go in and I do my inspection. I said, everything's fine. Uh, the, the, the stone is fine. It doesn't need to be replaced. So why the difference? And that was his question. Hey, Fred, this doesn't make much sense. How come we're replacing the stone in this particular situation and not replacing it in this situation? So that's what I want to talk about today. Because there are many, many, many factors. And this is some of the things that we talk about in our, in our class, our, our inspection class. And that is, first of all, uh, let's look at some of these many factors. You have the type of stone. Uh, the type of stone is very critical uh, as to how it reacts to water. And I, I know, again, I may have mentioned this on, on other shows, but for example, let's take travertine floor versus a white Carrara, a white marble floor. Uh, two different, totally different um, uh, situations here because what happens with white Carrara, uh, it contains iron. And when it's exposed to water, especially if there's a lot of water in a particular flood, it'll start that, that iron in there will start to oxidize and it'll rust and it'll start to turn yellow. And it doesn't always happen right away. I mean, I've seen situations where, you know, you have a, a flooding situation. They dry it out. Everything looks great. You know, a restoration guy comes in, he hones, he polishes it and everything's honky dory. 
And then six months, maybe a year down the road, customer calls and says, I'm starting to get this yellow tinge that's occurring across the floor. And what's happening is the iron within the stone is starting to oxidize. That doesn't happen with travertine. As a matter of fact, in this one particular case, talking with this insurance adjuster, uh, I, I told him that. I says, the, the reason I'm not recommending replacement on this floor is, first of all, it's travertine. Uh, travertine is actually exposed to water. You see it used in pool decks. You see it used in exteriors. You see it used outside. Uh, in this particular house that I had looked at, a $7 million home, the travertine was actually installed in the bottom of a little pond they had inside, a fountain pond they had inside, completely covered in water. And that's not, a, that's not an issue. But that's not to say it could be an issue. And here's where being a good inspector and, and knowing these things is extremely important because not only do we have the type of stone at issue here, we have what is the stone set on top of. So in this case, the travertine was set on a concrete slab. Uh, it was then set it on directly onto a concrete slab. And th that's okay. I mean, that, that can flood with exceptions, and we'll talk about those exceptions, so I don't want any nasty emails or telephone calls here. Say, what about efflorescence? We'll get into that in a minute. Uh, but in that case, it wasn't an issue. The opposite issue would be, let's say you have a travertine floor and it's not on a slab, but it's over a wood substrate. Then you may have a serious issue because if the water gets down into that plywood or wood substrate, whatever it is, and it starts to warp, uh, you could end up getting not only the, the wood actually warping and causing the tile to pop up, tent or whatever. Uh, you can also get what we call tannin staining on certain types of stone. In other words, the natural tannins in the, in the wood actually uh, come to the surface and cause it to stain. And those are really difficult stains uh, to remove. So that's another situation. So when you're looking at flooding and you're looking at, you know, water intrusion on a stone floor, you need not only to take into consideration the, stone itself, but also the substrate itself. Now, you can have issues, for example, going back to our travertine issue on the slab. And if I'm confusing you, please tell me to slow down or, or call me in with a question. And that is you can have a condition known as efflorescence. You know, efflorescence is, you know, soluble salts coming to the surface. And that all depends on the type of setting material. It depends on the concrete, you know, how the concrete was poured, what's contained in that concrete, the type of concrete that it's on, because if enough more, and it also depends on how much water actually enters that concrete, because you could have a flood on a stone floor and it doesn't saturate the slab. It just goes maybe a little bit into the tile, into the, into the stone, and doesn't go all the way through. So what's really important is to know how much, how much water now you're not going to get a straight answer. You're not going to get, well, you know, we, we spilled 55 gallons of water. No, you, you want to know, you know, how long the leak occur. And these particular uh, examples that I'm talking about, they actually had video. The customer took video of the water actually leaking. So we we'll get a good indication of how much water was on the floor. So in that case, if you see efflorescence, and efflorescence won't always occur right away, right after a flood. Efflorescence will start occurring as the floor is drying out because what's happening is those salts are being brought to the surface with the water. The water's evaporating away and you're left with salt. So if you see efflorescence on the, on the surface, you know, sometimes later, and generally with these inspections, you're called in much later. Uh, you're not, I mean, it's rare that I get called in, you know, a day after the flood. It's usually months after the flood occurs and 
they usually have a company come in and dry the floor out or whatever. If you see efflorescence, then you've got to say, okay, time out. What can we, what possibly could go wrong here? And what possibly could go wrong, and notice I'm using the word possibly, it doesn't always mean it's going to go wrong, but possibly what could go wrong there is those salts might not make it to the surface. And when they don't make it to the surface and the salts actually form or crystallize just below the surface, you can get a condition known as spalling or pitting uh, where the stone actually falls apart because those salts are, are being uh, crystallized within the surface of the stone. So that that's an issue. So, you know, one of the things I look at is efflorescence and you can test for salts. Uh, you can use a moisture meter, uh, an actual pin moisture meter to test for salts. And uh, let, let me go ahead and describe how that's done. And I know I've talked about this before, but for some of our first time listeners, if you take a, a typical pin moisture meter, not, not the non-destructive moisture meters, but a pin, you know, the one that has the two little probes in there, they're very inexpensive. And you take a filter paper, and these filter papers you can buy from scientific supplies. You can buy them on Amazon. Uh, it's just little round filter papers. You want to take one of those filter papers, and you don't want to touch it with your fingers. And the reason you don't want to touch it with your fingers is because your fingers contain salt. So you want to take a pair of tweezers, forceps, whatever. You take it out of the bag. You place that filter paper on something plastic. And I like to use the case to my moisture meter. Just put it on something plastic because you know it contains no salts. Put a drop or two of distilled water. You can pick up distilled water at any grocery store. And you take a reading on your moisture meter. So let's take an example. Let's say we wet that filter paper. We put it on the plastic and we get a reading of, say, 95%. Now let's take a fresh piece of filter paper and we place it on the efflorescence or what we suspect is efflorescence. We wet that with the distilled water. We wait a minute or two, and we take another reading. If that reading is higher, so let's say we had 95 on the plastic, and now we have 100% or 99% or even just 96%, that indicates the presence of salts. And that's just how those moisture meters work. When you have salts present, you, can, you, you have an ionization that occurs within the water, and uh, it ends up with a positive charge, so you're going to get a higher reading. Okay, so that's one way to tell whether you're going to have an efflorescence problem or not is is with with that moisture meter. So that that's a situation that becomes real difficult because you're saying, okay, would I replace this floor? And you know that unless you're seeing spalling, unless you're seeing deterioration, you might want to say, I don't know. Well, let's wait and see what happens. Uh, you know, sometimes efflorescence will just come to the surface and uh, you just buff it off. And, you know, once the floor dries, you're fine. But in some cases, uh, you know, you have a, a material that's very dense. Uh, it'll hold those salts in there. You know, green marble, the serpentines, for example, notorious for that. Once they get flooded, uh, the efflorescence will come to the surface. It'll stop before the surface and start swallowing and pitting. So that, that becomes a, a real, real long problem. Now, the type of water is also an issue. See, you notice we have many factors involved here. The, the type of water is critical um, because if it's if it's a heater, a, a water heater breaking, then you know it's probably potable water, it's drinking water, right? But what if it's a, a hurricane and you get seawater? Sea now you've got salts in the water. That's a problem. What if a sewer pipe breaks, a toilet overflows? You might be dealing with sewage water. Whole different ballgame. So. There's many questions you need to you need to ask when it comes to, you know, looking at a flooding situation on stone as to whether it needs to be, whether it can be fixed, whether there's no problem at all, 
or whether it needs to be be replaced. So, all right, let me give the phone number out, 323-870-3968. That's 323-870-3968. We'll take a quick break here. And when I come back, we'll carry on with this uh, discussion a little further. Are you looking for quality greenstone working products? ESP sells many lines of fine quality, environmentally safe products. Stone Pro, MD Stone Care, Bondstone and Touchstone Adhesives, more Stone Care products, Easy Care products, and Better Bio, which is over 80% bio-based and approved by the USDA. For more info, visit ESPSales.net. That's ESPSales.net. Alrighty, folks. So the question I get all the time in these situations with flooding is, how long is the floor going to take to dry out? And my answer to that is, I have no idea. It's going to depend on all these factors we talked about. It's going to depend on how much water is there. It's going to depend on the the environment. Uh, is it you know is it a house that has air conditioning and you know you want to turn the air conditioning on because the air conditioner acts as a dehumidifier, you may want to bring additional dehumidifiers in. I've seen some floors actually take years to dry out. Now, that's that's a rare case. It usually doesn't happen uh, that over that length of time. But, you know, generally, I would say if you give it a couple of weeks with dehumidifiers in there, dryers, air blowing across it, again, depending on how much water is on the floor, that's how long it's going to take to dry out. And you want to go in there and obviously take a moisture meter if it's dry or not. That's the best way to do it is with, with a moisture meter. And in that case, you want to use what is called a non-destructive moisture meter. Now, along with the flooding issue, and I get this constantly uh, from insurance companies where a customer will have a flood regardless of you know where the water came from. And the first thing they complain about is my tiles are hollow. The flood caused the tiles to be hollow. And I know we talked about this many times in the show, but it's definitely worth repeating. That does not happen. A flood, water being spilt on the floor, you could have 10 feet of water on that floor. Once that setting material sets up, it's not going to be hollow. That floor was hollow to begin with. And uh, they're using that flooding excuse uh, to, to buy them a new floor. And a lot of times insurance companies will, will pay out, you know, based on that, unless they call someone, you know, like me that, that knows a little bit about this, uh, this condition. It's hollow tiles do not, our flooding does not cause hollow tiles. Poor setting methods cause hollow tiles. That's what causes hollow tiles. So uh, that's something you want to be, you want to be careful of. And you guys that are in the restoration business, you, know, you also want to uh, take that into consideration. You don't do you do want to do a sounding test on the floor because if you have a lot of hollow tiles in there, when you go in there and you're going to get pretty aggressive with it, say you're grinding lippage off, you could actually crack tile because the tile is hollow, and that's just a crappy, crappy installation. So uh, that's my lecture. <laughs> that's my lecture on flooding, and we can go into uh, a, a lot more detail on that, but uh, I think that's probably detail enough for uh, what you guys are what you guys are dealing with on a, on a regular basis. So uh, we're not have much much more to talk about unless you've got questions. So uh, I'll give you a few minutes here. The telephone number is three two three eight seven zero three nine six eight two three eight seven zero three nine six eight. We'll take another quick break here and uh, come back right after this and see if we have any callers. Thank you, Tough Skin, one of our gold sponsors. Marble etches and stains. Tough Skin guarantees it will not. 
Toughskin provides a unique product and installation service anywhere in the USA with a proprietary stone laminate products. They protect marble countertops with an acid, oil, and waterproof guarantee. That's right, it's now possible to install marble, onyx, and travertine countertops without the worry of etching and staining from common household items like wine, lemon, coffee, or other acidic foods. People have been trying to figure this out for thousands of years, and Toughskin Surface Protection has done it. Available in gloss and satin to match the countertop finish. Visit them online at toughskinprotection.com. That's T-U-F-F skinprotection.com to learn more. You know, one of the things I didn't mention concerning flooding, and this is something uh, you'll definitely want to check when you have this issue, and that is you want to look at how the floor was refinished. You know, was there a wax, a coating of some kind, a polymer coating put on top of the floor? That could hamper drying. Or was the floor recrystallized? And I know we've gotten into that particular topic a lot on this show, but uh, that will block some of the escape of the, the, the moisture. So that's something you might want to recommend if you're looking to dry that floor out, is to actually hone the floor, bring it up to, you know, a, a 120 or 400, and then just let it dry dry out. In other words, remove any any coating or recrystallization or, or whatever on the surface. And even if it's just a, a natural polish, opening up is going to make it uh, dry a lot quicker. Also, removing the grout, uh, if you have that option to actually remove the grout, That'll help it dry much quicker also. So those are some of the things you need to need to take into consideration when you're dealing with some of this water damage, uh, water damage issue. Um, another thing that comes up uh, all the time, too, is, is with these floods. And I've had, you know, customers say, well, you know, OK, the stone's OK, but what about mold? What about mold and mildew? And, you know, to be honest with you, I, I have rarely, rarely seen mold become an issue on most stone flooring. Uh, you know, mold does not like the alkaline nature of, of the, the Portland cement, the, you know, the thin set, the concrete. And it's, you know, unless there's a lot of organic material there, in other words, from sewage water, for example, you're really not going to have a mold problem. Now, if it's over a wood substrate, you could definitely have a, a mold issue because you're dealing with, you know, organic substrate. But chances are you're going to have an issue anyway, because if the, the, the wood got wet, uh, it's going to warp, and you could have you could have an issue there as well. So these are all these things uh, you need to take and take into consideration when it comes to when it comes to flooding. So there's a lot there. There's a lot involved, and that's why you need an expert to come in and and, and look at these look at these issues, or become an expert if you if you don't know these things. Attend my class, and be more than happy to um, teach you some of these things and how to test for them and what to do, et cetera, et cetera. All right. Uh, I think I'll wrap things up for today. Uh, again, uh, I'm going to have my seminar coming up July 5th. It's going to be held in DeBerry, Florida, which is just outside of Orlando. Oh, and also, uh, we've just developed, uh, in, in cooperation with me and Surfaces, a what we call a stain app. It's a stain app. Also, have I have a stain course that they offer as well. If you want to check that out, just go to surfaces.com or again, send me an email at fhuston, F-H-U-E-S-T-O-N at gmail.com. Alrighty, folks, uh, we'll be back next week. Uh, hopefully we're going to have another interview with Robert Higgins uh, talking, speaking of moisture. Uh, if not, anybody that's interested and in, uh, they have something to say about the stone and tile industry, something to offer, uh, feel free to uh, give me a holler. Uh, 
you can call me on my cell phone. This is not the call-in number, but my cell phone is 321-514-6845. That's 321-514-6845. Or again, my email is probably the best way to get a hold of me, which is F-H-U-E-S-T-O-N at gmail.com. So that's it for this week, folks. Uh, Thanks for listening. Until next time, keep setting those tiles, polishing that stone, and fabricating those tops. Later, my friends. Are you tired of lugging dozens of stain removal chemicals around to remove stains from stone, tile, or concrete? Did you know you only need three chemicals to remove almost any stain? From organic stains to inorganic stains, Dr. Fred's Ultimate Stain Removal Kit is all you need. The kit contains three reagents and includes a detailed ebook on how to remove almost any stain. So if you're trying to remove difficult ink or rust or simply coffee and other food stains, this kit is all you need. To order, contact Dr. Fred at 321-514-6845. One kit is $69.95 plus shipping.